by the time people are 45 years old, they say, I wonder what my mom would say about this. And by the time, you know, people are 65 years old, a lot of people say, I wish I could talk to my mom again. Mm -hmm. So whatever you are in life today, it's a beautiful time to just honor your mom and think about all the great things, you know, that she has done, you know, for you. Um, I remember the story of, of a mom, you know, who went shopping with her little daughter in a Walmart. And the little daughter, you know, was crying and the mom, you know, was pushing the, the shopping cart and the little girl was just screaming and yelling and crying. And she was saying, calm down, Ellen. This is gonna be over pretty soon, Ellen. We're gonna be done in a few minutes, Ellen. We're just gonna buy these few things, Ellen. Calm down, Ellen. Cool down, Ellen. And one staff, you know, from Walmart came to her and she said, ma'am, you have to be commended for your hard work because you have a lot of patience for little Ellen. And the woman turned around and said, lady, I am Ellen. <laughs> so anyways, uh, moms are just beautiful, right? So today I want to speak about um, the story in the first book of Samuel chapter 1. And um, I want to speak today on the subject of the marks of a great mother. And I want to speak specifically about three traits, three attributes, three characteristics, three things that you will most likely see in women at the church, uh, especially, you know, women who are mother and who are a part of the church and, and love God and follow God. So I would like to share with you um, about Samuel chapter 1. In the book of Samuel, uh, it's a story about three great men. The first great man was um, the prophet Samuel. He made a huge difference, you know, in the people of Israel. Uh, the second great man was King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And the third man in the story of the book of Samuel refers to King David, who was the best king, you know, in the people of, of Israel. But the story about three men doesn't start with a man. It starts with a woman. Uh, there's, a, there's a saying that I've heard that says that if you want to if, if see how God does great things, God uses, you know, a man. But when God really, really wants to do great and awesome things, he gets a hold of a woman. So this story is about those three men, but nothing would have happened, no, no prophet Samuel, no King Saul, no King David, if it wasn't because of a woman. So I want to, let's pray before we read into the scripture, and uh, that God may bless it. Father God, we thank you today for this gathering, Lord. And thank you for each mother in this place. I pray, Lord God, that you speak into each mother today. Uh, those of you, those who don't have their mothers here or don't have their mothers any longer, I pray, Lord God, that this will be a day of celebration um, for the blessings that you give us through our moms. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak today, as I said, on the subject of uh, great marks that great mothers have. And um, the first thing that I want to mention today is that great mothers have great problems. 
Whenever you see a woman who has done or has made a difference in the church or in the world, you will see that those great women have great problems. If you look at the Bible with me on verse 1, uh, it says, There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Sophite from the hill country of Ephraim, those uh, whose name was Alkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elahu, the son of Tohu, the son of Soph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and, the, and Benina. Benina had children, but Hannah had none. So the first problem that Hannah had was that Hannah was infertile. She couldn't have any children. So back in those days, you know, in the Old Testament, if you were a man and you were married to a woman, and during a 10-year period, if you had not been able to have a child, in a lot of those cases, that was grounds for divorce. So having a kid, having a baby, having children was a big deal, not just for men. It was a huge deal for women. They used to believe culturally back in those days that if you didn't have a child, they would see it like if God was punishing you or, God, or there was a curse on you. And it was, it was a stigma. It was a big deal for a marriage not to have a child. So it was grounds for divorce, but not only that, in certain cultures, you know, back in those days, uh, you could still be married to the wife that you were married with, but you could get a second wife, and that second wife, you know, would be able to give you children. Now, Elkanah did that. He didn't divorce Hannah, but he got himself a second wife, and the Bible says that he had a lot of children with Hannah. Um, Hanina. Now, I want you to think about it. Those of you who are married, those of you who have dated, or those of you who are dating, have you ever find yourself in the situation where the person that you like was liked by somebody else? And maybe that person was going to the same job, the same class, or maybe the same church, right? Uh, you, got, you like the same person, kind of awkward, and everybody knows, you know, that two people like the same person. Imagine what a big deal that is. But it's even a bigger deal when you are married to someone and all of a sudden a second wife comes into the picture and that wife is able to have a lot of children, many sons and many daughters. So Hannah was infertile and she could not have, you know, any children. If you read with me uh, later on, you know, in the chapter, you will see that that not having a kid, you know, was really a big deal for her. Rabbis, you know, in those days, uh, some of them used to have non-biblical sayings. And a rabbi one time, you know, said that there will be seven people that, we, that will be excommunicated from God. Number, number one, he said, a Jew with no wife. And number two, a Jew with a wife but no children. So not having children, you know, was really, really, really a big problem. Uh, this is something, um, infertility, you know, it, it's one of those topics that we must be thinking about, concerned about, because the statistics say that in the United States, one out of eight couples are not able to have children. 
that is 12% of people in the United States cannot have children, 7.3 million people of Americans cannot have children, and every Mother's Day, it's not a day of celebration for them. They celebrate with people, but inside of them, you know, they're a little sad because they can't celebrate the way they would like to because they can't have children. Now, I happen to believe that, you know, when you are not able to have children, I really believe that God reserves you for certain blessings. And one of those blessings can be that, number one, God may still be preparing you to bear children in the future. I think Pastor Henry and I, I don't know, I have not talked to Pastor Henry about this, but I have done a lot of baby dedications, you know, over the years in different churches. And you have no idea how many couples have come to me for prayer because they can't have children. And all of a sudden, after seven years, you know, they're able to have a child. After 10 years, they're able to have a child. So if you can have children right now, God may still be preparing you for childbearing in the future. Another blessing could be that because you don't have your own children, you are more aware of the needs of foster kids and adoption. Right now that I have been able to get to know, you know, the city of Pasadena a little bit more, I've seen that there's quite a few nonprofit organizations here in the city that work with foster kids and adoption. And I think we, you know, as Christians, we should be thinking about that a little bit more. I was watching the video of a little girl who was nine years old when she was told that she was finally going to be adopted by some parents. She had waited nine years to be adopted. And when you see that video, she just like can't believe herself that she's going to be adopted. There's a lot of children, uh, a lot of kids, you know, who you don't have to adopt them 100% if you can't, but at least foster kids that you can have for six months, for a month, they need the love. Or also, it could be that sometimes, you know, people can have children because God has a special mission for you. So being fertile, you know, could be a big deal for, for a lot of people. So great mothers have great problems. When you see a great mother in the church, when you see a great woman doing great things in the church, don't assume automatically that everything is perfect in their life. We see the Bible characters, you know, the women in the Bible, like Mary, Rebecca, Sarah, all of those women, and we believe that those women, oh my gosh, you know, we set them up as an example of following, and that's good, but sometimes we don't realize the price that those women pay to be in that part of the Bible where they accomplish great things. Great mothers have great problems. And I will just encourage you, not only today, you know, that is Mother's Day, but keep that in mind as we go on during the year. When you see a woman uh, doing great things or when you see the track of a woman that has done great things, uh, most likely those women have great problems. So we always have to be praying for them. But there's also a second trait, you know, that I see in the life of Hannah, and that is that Great mothers keep great priorities on target. Priority number one is God. Priority number two is your husband. Priority number three is your child. I want you to read in verse number nine with me uh, down in the chapter. It says, 
Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Uh, now Eli, the, the priest, was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed unto the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. This woman was a woman of prayer. She had big problems. Remember, not only she couldn't have a child, but that chapter says that once a year, her husband and the other wife with all the children, they will go to a festival. They will sit down at that festival, and Hannah had to see the second wife with all her sons and daughters sitting at the same table and eating, and she was really sad. Not only that, but if you keep reading the chapter, the Bible says that the other wife, she will go out of her way to provoke, to make Hannah feel bad for not having children. So what Hannah does is she gets up, she goes to the sanctuary, she goes to the altar, and she starts putting, pouring her heart into the presence of God, just praying. The way she was praying was, I think it was so dramatic that when the priest saw her praying, the scripture says that the priest came and said, Hannah, what have you been doing? You've been drinking so much. Stop drinking and just go home or go where you have to go, but don't be so drunk. And Hannah said, no, my Lord, it's, it's not that I'm drunk. Um, I am a woman who is in pain. And as I was reading this, I was like, man, what a priest, you know. You're praying here at the altar, and all of a sudden, the pastor comes and says, hey, why are you so drunk? You're like, the way you're praying, you're crying, and your lips, and, and I don't know. It's just so dramatic. But she said, no, my Lord, to the priest, it's, it's not that I'm drunk. I haven't even drank any wine. It is because I am in such a painful condition, and I am praying to God that he can help me. So Hannah was a woman that, number one, when she had that pain, she poured herself out into the presence of God. If you read the chapter, it doesn't say that Hannah, or it, there's no record that Hannah responded to the provocations of the other wife. Hannah didn't follow up that. Even though the other woman was trying to make her jealous, was trying to put her down, was trying to make her feel bad, Hannah did not respond respond to that but the main problem that she had she went into the presence of God she opened her heart and she poured her heart into the presence of God so that God will help her and then later on in the chapter uh, it says that Hannah when she was praying she said oh God almighty that expression literally means God the sovereign God who is the, the main, the boss, the top of the armies in heaven and on the Israelites and on earth, she was appealing to the authority of God, like saying, God, you are the one who has the power to decide anything on earth, to decide anything on heaven, to decide anything on my life. And she, and she said, God, if you would only give me a son, I will give you that son back. So one of the things that Hannah recognized was that everything you have in your life is not yours. 
You can only touch it. You can enjoy it. But one day, when you leave this place, somebody else will take it. So when she was praying, she said, God, um, please lend me a son. Lend me a son, and I will give him back to you. Question for you is today, how many of you will have a child and say, Pastor Henry, I'm going to raise my child up to the age of seven years old. I'm going to go drop him off at your home so that he can be raised to be a pastor forever at Agape Church. Maybe not many of you will do that, but Hannah did. Hannah said, if you let me have a son, I will give him back to you. Amen. And what kind of a son she had, the prophet Samuel. The Bible says, even, you know, it's very interesting because the, the Hebrew Bible, um, after the book of Judges, they have the book of Samuel. In our Bible, we have, after the book of Judges, we have Ruth, and then we have Samuel. But that just tells you the importance that the prophet Samuel had in the history of Israel. Because at the end of the book of Judges, the Bible says that the Israelites will do anything that they will please in the eyes of God. When it comes to immorality, when it comes to being far away from God, it, that was the time when Israel was at their worst, but God was at work and God brought you know the prophet Samuel so that Israel could come back spiritually to God so great women and great moms they keep great priorities in place in target God first husband and then child um, I want to finish with this third point today that great mothers also make great plans uh, let me show you on verse uh, 24, if you look it up with me. The Bible says that, I'm going to read from 23. Uh, Do what it seems best to you. Her husband, Elkanah, told her, stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word so the woman stay at home and nurse her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, as long as a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and uh, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. So the Bible says right here that when he was old enough, he could have been seven years old, ten years old, or five years old, uh, she nursed him, she fed him, she educated him, he, she uh, raised him and he was in a good age he she brought Samuel to the tabernacle or the church you know we can say to the priest so that Samuel will be raised by the priest and then become the prophet Samuel that Israel needed so great moms you know they made great plans for their children I don't know where you are, you know, in life right now, but let me tell you that at least three things. Number one, when you have great problems, when you are suffering, when there's pain, God has something planned for you. There's no pain without a reason in the eyes of God. There's no pain that goes wasted in the eyes of God. That's number one. Number two, priorities. Keep God, you know, as a priority in your life. Put God first, you know, so that your children, you know, can see that example in you. 
it's so great you know my I had my mom until I was nine years old but my memories of my mom and my dad was my mom playing the guitar uh, and my dad playing another guitar because you know my dad loves guitars so playing and singing you know starting a church and I never forget about that and I remember how those impressions you know were just sealed you know in my heart and I grew up with those memories that's why you know when I see little kids you know like Hiari if I am ever talking to you I will probably turn around and go on my knees and talk to Kiari instead of talking to you because children you know before 10 years old there's memories that you put in their brain that whenever they grow they become adults they will remember those memories and by the way, if you have a praying mother and you walk away from God, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will not leave you alone. The Holy Spirit will be pursuing you every place that you go. I remember when my mom and my dad, you know, will pray for me. Sometimes, you know, I was about to do something crazy or wild and in a place where nobody knew. And all of a sudden, you know, my dad was looking at me and I'll be like, how did you find me here? was the Holy Spirit and number three uh, great moms great main plans let's not be you know like the story of little Johnny that this family was coming you know out of the church and they were so happy because they had just dedicated uh, a baby and little Johnny you know got in the car with their family and he was crying and crying and crying after the service and he was going like, <gasps> crying in the car. And the mom turned to Johnny and said, Johnny, what's your problem? Why are you crying so much? And he said, the pastor. I don't like that pastor. And she said, why? What's your problem? Why not? He said that he wants us to be brought up in a Christian home. And I don't want to leave you guys. <laughs> so let's not be, let's not do this story, you know, a little Johnny. I think, you know, if we follow these traits, God is just going to really reward you today. So, as the worship team, you know, comes forward, I want to end up with a prayer today. And I want to remind you, if you are a mom with pain, if you are a mom with great problems, God has something at work for you. I'm going to invite everybody to stand up and I'm going to ask Pastor Henry if he can come forward with me. And this is what we're going to do. I would like to invite every single mother who is at the church to come forward. And we're going to pray for you. If you are a son and a daughter and your mom is here, please come next to your mom. Uh, if you don't have your mom with you, don't worry. Uh, come anyways. Uh, because today is the day that we are going to bless you. If you have a great problem, don't be shy. Come over here. Don't be shy. Come over here. Any other mom? And of course, we have Luvi. Thank you so much for being here today. You're truly a champion. Pastor Henry to pray for the moms, um, but I want you to know that
every single mom that is here, the little time that I have gotten to know you, all of you, from Malathy and Ruby, Julie, Nina, Lanto, Rhea, um, Hilda, and Shirley, your life matters to God.
any mom that you see before they leave, please go and say something positive about them. Amen. Can we do that after a service? Yes, there's like one or two. Everybody? Okay. So one song and then Pastor Henry comes and blesses us.